Welcome to Leading Beyond Any Title, the podcast for transformative leadership. We're your hosts. Hi, I'm Craig Hess. And I'm Jenny Gilbert. Today, we're bringing you a backlogged episode, previously exclusive only to our webinar series, and now available here on our podcast. You can find all episodes, including visuals, on the SATE YouTube channel. See the link in the show notes. And as always, thank you for listening to the Leading Beyond Any Title podcast. If you're here for the first time, excuse me, welcome. And if you're returning to us, of course, a warm welcome back as well. The picture that you can see on the deck right here is one of our main campus buildings. Unfortunately, we refer to it as Heritage Hall. And it was well over 100 years ago before the first cornerstone of that building went in. And equally, actually probably a bit longer than that, before Dr. J.C. Miller, who was... uh, the doctor that dreamed of an applied institute in Calgary. And long before we even had a Calgary or a Calgary stampede, uh, the land, this was the land or the hunting grounds, I should say, of three tribes of the Blackfoot Nation at that time, the Kane, the Pikane, and the Siksika. And this area was called Makintas, which is in, which means the elbow and the place where two great rivers meet. So for those of you joining us outside of Calgary, the Bow River and the Elbow River today. So it's a traditional land of the Blackfoot shared by the Beaver people of the Shutina, the Nakoda people and the Stony Nations, and the Northwest Métis homeland that makes up our Treaty 7 territory, which is where we are here in Calgary. And if you are here for the first time, it's important to us to acknowledge that um, Dapli is us called Heritage Hall. So heritage to our land. And we would take a moment every Friday that we get together to recognize that. So today we recognize the Blackfoot Confederacy, tribes mentioned, and all those who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. With people here today across Canada and even possibly beyond, I haven't studied the list this week. So wherever you are, welcome. Thank you just for taking a minute to recognize where you're starting your day from today. Perfect. Uh, as always, so very well done, Jenny. Thank you. And we have probably, uh, I think we've struck a, struck a chord with folks with this week's topic. This has to be one of the largest registrations that we have had in now 38, 39, pushing 40 episodes now, Jenny. We got to be getting close. Um, so many of you have found the chat and what I think where we would like to kick things off is I'm, I'm just really curious as to why this topic in particular prioritization and delegation has resonated with so many of you. What are you hoping to get out of this morning and uh, feel free to throw that in the chat? If you found the chat, uh, just a couple buttons to the left is the Q and A button where if you have any specific questions that you really want to make sure that we see, please do throw them in the Q&A. Uh, the chat you will see just flies by like a waterfall. So tough to keep up with that sometimes. And I'm feeling extra slow this morning. So um, Jenny, you know, for me, I, I look at this and you know, the number of productivity apps that you can find on uh, the app store, the number of tools that exist, um, you know, but when we think about it from a leadership standpoint, right, this isn't necessarily about the tools or the tricks. Obviously, we're going to talk about some frameworks to help folks think about prioritization. But from a leadership perspective, where do these two topics kind of fit into your mind for you? What, 
what resonates is you start thinking about prioritization and delegation from a leadership perspective. You kick me off the call if I say it's your priority. <laughs> yeah, it's been a good Sorry. show. Thanks. Have a good day. Um, no, actually, no, that's a good question because, and, and somebody, I can't keep up with the chat. I'll, I'll stop even looking, I think. Yeah. Um, but lots of work to do recently. So much going on. You know, we, everywhere, and, and it was the same before the pandemic. Like, you know, we, we, the pandemic is a marker now in our brains, but it was the same beforehand. And we live in, um, Rasmus Hugard called it a paid reality. So pressured. Always on information overload, distracted. And, and that's our norm. And we've also created, we live by the badge of busy. Like there's so much competition. See who has the busiest calendar in some places, which is madness. Cause most of the time, if you're chopped with meetings, you're not actually getting the work done. And so for uh, anybody in leadership, what you're prioritizing. What you're talking about is crucial because if you're not talking about it, your team's not thinking about it. And what are you delegating? And it's curious. Delegation seems to be a really, really hard skill and it's getting harder as we feel guilty for delegating because people are so busy and people are at capacity. And it all seems to be hitting that crescendo, I think. And so I honestly, I'd put it at the top of the list. And while we're there, let's just get this one out of the way as well. Priority. Is a singular word, um, or whatever the grammar is around that. Like we've made it priorities, but by yeah. definition, you actually only have one. So that's a bit tricky in our world as well. Yeah, that, that last comment is my pet peeve. And it kind of speaks to the whole concept of a couple of books like the one thing or essentialism, um, yeah. Yeah. et cetera. Uh, but as I, as I'm scrolling through here and thank you, everybody. Um, you know, what makes these conversations so valuable, I think, is the amount of participation we get from you. And, um, you know, I'm just, there was a couple, what the workload, workloads are increasing. Teams are getting smaller. This whole concept, even though I think, especially in the tech space, we can use this as an example. We've been hearing a lot of noise about downsizing in tech over the past quarter. I think that's very much a media made issue. Oh, yeah. We can take a look at how much tech has hired in the past year. Very real for the people that are affected. But the point being is that when team sizes shrink, when uh, things change, you're often look, looking to do the same amount of work with perhaps the same number of people. So how do you as a leader then start help, start to help you focus your team on the important pieces, right? Yeah. And what is the number one priority as a leader, there, there's a few directions, there are a few threads that we could, we could pull on here. And I think maybe I would, I'd like to lean into the, the last question first is, and for folks out here who are leaders with direct reports, you know, we firmly believe that anybody here can lead beyond their title. Um, there you go. I got the name of the That's show the episode. <laughs> um, but as a leader, what is your number one priority as a leader? And what, what does that resonate for you too as well, Jenny? I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to see, um, see what pops up here. But what do you think you're yeah. number one? Tanya out of the box very early with a great comment. Yep. And, yeah. and I like, yep. that. yeah. Yeah. I like that that's what's popping up in the chat. Yeah. So a couple of things springing to mind from what you've said. Yeah. Everybody goes very 
wrapped up in, and, and you said it, we've got, <clears throat> we've got to do the same work or we've got to hit the same result, the same number, the same metric. Um, which is a ceiling. That's a conversation for another day. But how are we going to get there with less people? And, and the key in that conversation is the people, like, you know, we talk priority of people, business of people, <clears throat> excuse me, performance of people. But really, it's your people that are going to do the work. And, you know, Senek's got stuff coming out of his unions for, you know, when you're in leadership, you're looking after the people who do the work. You don't necessarily do as much of the work, although a lot of people doing two jobs too, as in their job and the leadership role. And so your team, and, and as a leader, your team has to be your priority, but you have to have a really, really clear focus on where it is that you're going. Because to get focus from your team, you need to know what that is. So what is the priority? Does the team know what the priority is? Easiest way to do that, your next team meeting, have everybody write down what they believe is the top three priorities of the team. Oh. And if everybody aligns, take a minute and have an absolute celebration. There's a number of times I've done that around with the team and, and they're all over the place. Excellent. Let's tie this back in. What? Because that really helps people to look at what they focus. You mentioned essentialism. Greg McCohen says in there that 70% of what we do in a day is non-essential. And the first time I read that, I'm like, okay, I got this. I've taught time management for years. No. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yes. Like, we totally get sucked into the non-essential, the non-urgent. That's before we even bring the conversation of your cell phone that's probably two feet away from you now and has buzzed three times since we started. And so having that conversation continuously, there's a cadence, as we've always said to that. What's the priority? What are we working on? Bring people back to that. And the more hybrid your team is, the more or virtual, the more often that conversation needs to happen. Because when we're virtual and I'm in here, there's 101 distractions. When I'm at stage, slightly less distractions. So I could concentrate better in terms of priority there. Doesn't mean that the stuff around me isn't good and creative and all the rest, but is it helping to hit the priority. There's a time and a place for the madness and a time and a place for the focus. Yeah, so good. And folks, so many great comments here. I can't keep up with all of them, though I'm trying very hard and to listen to Jenny at the same time. But what I love about what I'm seeing in the chat, Jenny, is so many people talking about, you know, enabling my team, mentor and grow the skill set of my team, um, training and empowering, lead and develop, I actually quite like this kind of lead and develop the team to facilitate business goals. Um, so I, I think maybe where I would challenge folks out there this morning is, and as a leader, the people, myself, how often do you start off your week intentionally focused on or trying to or realizing you need to spend time helping maybe not all of the members of your team one-on-one that week? Maybe you've got a cadence. Maybe your team is so large, you need to divide it up. Maybe weekly isn't right. It doesn't matter. My, my, my point of challenge would be how often do we start off with that intent, but then the whirlwind of the work shows up and you have to start taking care of tasks and pieces of work and other bits versus focusing on your team and growing and developing your team. I don't know yes, what that's so, true, Jenny, but 
that that for me has probably been the in- biggest struggle of my entire people leadership career. Is, you know, every morning, this is the week. Maybe not so much. So, <laughs> you did a, a decent job. Um, but, but that's really key in there. And lots of people have recognized, you know, when, whenever we get into this conversation of priority, Eisenhower, Covey, whoever you want to attribute the matrix to, the, the four quadrants. And those four quadrants sit with quadrant one, it's important and it's urgent. And that's where everything pops up. That's the window that you're talking about, Craig. Like we start with the best intentions and sort of lots of us that quadrant basically is our world. Everything is important and urgent. And then quadrant two, we lose the urgency and it's just important. And, and the difference between those boxes is that quadrant one will always act on you. So it's a bit like when your cell phone buzzes in your pocket or your watch vibrates on your wrist. That acts on you. The, the temptation they'll want to whoop, just take a little check. It, it acts on us. That urgency is just pressing. And so those fires that pop up, those pieces of work that pop up, it's always going to act on us. Quadrant two, which is growing, developing your people, delegating the right tasks to the right people in their strength area. That's a gift. That makes delegation a gift, not a dumb. That's a quadrant two piece. And the problem with quadrant two is we've lost that urgency. Nobody's slapping you in the face saying, get out there and help Jenny today. You have to act on that. So urgency acts on it, on us. We have to act on it when it's important, just important. That's when the true business in terms of the real spelling of business takes place is everything that's in quadrant one and two. So above the line in that matrix. And so the key in there is how do I act on that? How do I make that time for that to happen? What does that look like? And this is where it gets a little bit difficult for people because it's a little bit of a discipline piece. It means we have to say no. It means we have to have a conversation along the way somewhere. And we know, we've said this many times, that's difficult in places. Yeah. And I love the, I think, you know, you're basically talking about an Eisenhower matrix there, right? Jenny, right? You're two by two. And no, you might want to pop that one up just for folks to see, because I think you really touched on a couple of good things there. Uh, and Matt, death, I love your analogy that you have in there, Matt. I think that one is fantastic. So, uh, for those of you following along, it's a couple comments up from the bottom at the moment. So, um, here we so, go. There, this is, <laughs> this is it. And it's normal version. I'll show you Jenny's version in a minute. Um, so the ones I was just talking about top left is your important and urgent. There's our lives. And top right is important only, so not urgent. There's all the stuff that really hits the goals, hits the metrics, drives the performance, empowers your people, allows you to delegate, gives you some time to focus on the priorities as well. Because that's the other thing. When you get sucked into the whirlwind, the left-hand side of the quadrant, you can't do any of that top right stuff that really allows you to develop and therefore your team to develop as well. And so, you know, to put it into easier terms, what I was just saying, there's your, your sort of base quadrant and everything above the line is business as we want to see business. Everything below the line, that 70% that McCohen talked about is busyness. 
And we wear that badge. Like there are lots of people who will run around all day looking really, really busy and come away thinking, hmm, I didn't do anything today. Hey, that's the whirlwind that you mentioned. That's a coveyism right there. And the problem is there's nothing wrong with one. That's business. But we get sucked into doing stuff that's just urgent, fighting flies that aren't ours, paying attention to emails that really aren't our conversation to be in. We've just been CC'd because somebody's looking after themselves or protecting this or that. And when we live on that left-hand side where it all acts on us, it's all an urgency all day, we end up looking like that set of eyes there. And what everybody really wants is to be able to sort of have that calmness, to be able to look up. Like I've had people come into our time management classroom that says, I wanted to do this for four years and I just haven't had time. It is so awkward today and I'm not kidding. So the key in here is that we have to act on it. And it's making time for this question because this is where control comes from. This is where calm, if you like, comes from. There's, there's less stress over here. This is just madness. And we won't get rid of box number one. And I don't know that we should either. And there's a lot of people who love to live in box number one. Please make sure you're looking after your well-being if that's you. We have urgency addicts and, and the world needs them. Yeah. But in a leader role, the balance is two and one and a little bit more two then you've got to one. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the folks that like to live in that busyness. I used to have a past colleague. You would get on the phone with them and they would spend 45 minutes telling you how busy and full their calendar was. So. Yeah. And we just used sure. minutes. Yeah. I'm not sure that yeah. aligns. Um, so, but the key, I think for that, Jenny is, so the whole definitions around urgent and important. Yeah. Right? Because that, and I think that is where clarity from leadership really comes into play here to help. Yes. Right. And I swear I'm going with this. Yeah. Everything can seem busy and important or urgent and important. Sorry. Urgent and important. Yeah. But how do you, how, like, what are the filters that you start applying to that? How, how can you help your team uh, make those, make those um, delineations? Uh, there was a comment here earlier, and I guess where I'm going with this is this whole concept of clarity. Bob, this was a great comment. There's nothing more frustrating than someone responding, I need to speak to my manager, which for me in many cases can be solved by how are you properly uh, setting priorities or priority. Mm-hmm. It's tough to not pluralize that, right? <laughs> and how do you effectively delegate? So I guess what I'm getting at here is, you know, what are those filters or those those tools or tips that leaders can use to help their teams prioritize and think about the urgent versus the important. How do you align on what is that as, as a team? So is, I think more or less you said it in there. Okay. Is, <laughs> well done. There you go. Brilliant. Um, but number one, like, okay, are we clear on the priority? This this, cause what, what we do, you can only have one priority, but there may be five things that are important, but that provide that, in, that instantly that's a filter. So something comes in, is this anything to do with those top five? No. Okay. Then it has to sit on this side for a bit because this is what we're working on, but we have to constantly be vigilant to the fact that we're aligned on what the priority is. And then secondly, um, within there is what's your role? So role clarity. Mm-hmm. And, and within that role, 
it's possible to pick up on a word that I think has come by in the chat to empower people. And I had a great phrase um, the other week where somebody had said, what is it? Do I want to disempower that person by being involved? So from the leader's perspective, do I want to disempower that person by getting involved? Oh. And, and, and I kind of stuck, stuck with me. I'm not sure that's exactly the quote, but you know, if we've got the real clarity, if we've got the guardrails, like here's the boundaries. This is the point where you need to check in and that might vary. So who's on your team and what their role is and how long they've been with you and, and all of those pieces. And then we've got the priority. There's that, that filter piece. Um, those would, those would be the two that I would come back to every time. And I think the other thing that leaders might spend a little more time on is, is checking in on what people are working on. And so one of the things they talk about, you know, when, when, if you're on the other end, so if you're my leader and you say, okay, Jenny, and here I have this project. I think this is brilliant, matches your skill set. My next step should be, Craig, this is what I'm working on. What would you like me to lose off here? Uh huh. That's where I was going. You know, how are we going to balance that piece? Because if I don't have, if I don't assert that, and if I don't have that to be able to show you, all right, then I'm going to end up overloaded really quickly because I'm somebody that thinks everything's fun. Sure. Send it this way. And the next thing I know, I'm drowning, absolutely drowning. But if we look and say, okay, this is what's going on. What can we move? Sometimes the leader too. Oh, all right. Well, you're sort of working on that one. That is a perfect task for. Sally. And I'm going to delegate that one on to Sally. And we, and that's a shifting, shifting of task, shifting of, um, sort of roles and what we're doing. And, and I think too often we think, okay, here's our box, stay in your box, do the work in your box, follow your job description. It just never happens that way. So if we actually work with the way it does happen, we can get more fluidity rolling. Yeah. No, I really like that. And the whole concept of what do you take off? Yeah. The plate. Because I think very odd. demands always come to do more. We need more. We need you know, better, quicker, faster, right? Um, so here's here's more for you to do. But there's very little, I think, conscious or intentional effort that teams or leaders or organizations put in. Ian, I'm speaking in generality here, but taking stuff off the plate as well. Yeah. Right. Cause you just can't, and, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's just to say, like, go, go right back to Greg McCohen 70%. Take a really good look at what the team is doing. Like what, what is in our 70%? And I'll, you want to get there quickly. What is the biggest waste of time in your day from their perspective? Cause there's two things there. Either it is a waste of time and they hate doing it. And why are they doing it? Or. Oh, okay. That's actually not a waste of time because when you do that, this happens, this happens, this happens. They've just missed the big picture. Now you put value back to that task. It's much more likely to happen and perhaps happen with a tad more quality than it would have done before if I thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. Well, you, well, you touched on something really interesting there too, is how often do, how often are things done because that's the way they've always been done. I know that's the most dangerous expression in business. Uh, but there are some things yeah. around administration, other activities, et cetera, that just have to be done. Yeah. But perhaps we overlook or organizations or leaders overlook 
explaining why the importance of why they need to be done for sure and why they are done that way it's for me i don't know it was just a a good trigger like you know running sales organizations you know crm you know everybody get your notes in your crm well for any other sales leaders with us today i'm sure you're all chuckling at that right now <laughs> um but okay to, to to shift a little bit too into delegation because you you started touching on this uh, the question here from Greg, and how can we delegate to the staff members' strengths while at the same time uh, remaining inclusive to all team members and avoid the perception of favoring one staff member over others? Well, that's a good question. Um, okay, there's lots in there. Yeah, and just, so, just one second. Sorry, that there's been a couple of questions. The slides will be shared. So, oh, and there's more slides. You'll get more slides then, than we show. There's yeah. always more slides to reach up, always. Yeah. Um, okay, so a couple of things within there. First off, if you find that you're always delegating to the same couple of people and you're not delegating to others, take care. This is a this way, right? First, we always want to come this way as a leader, right? What's my part in that? What's stopping you from delegating to them? So it's a really quick check-in. But often, if we don't have full trust with someone who works with us, we won't delegate to them because it's it's harder and it's much quicker for us to go to the people who we trust. And so when we look at trust, and we've said this before, you're ready on the keyboard, Craig, trust has four different domains that we work from. So we look at competence, we look at reliability, we look at sincerity, and we look at care. That's lots of so care, reliability, sincerity, and competence. And so I really like that part there because if you're not delegating to them because it's a reliability issue, that's an easy conversation. Right? There, there's the piece. Here's the guardrails. Here's the deadlines. Here's our no-brainers. Be fair. That's actually a two-way conversation. Can they work within that space? Second part of that question is, and I love it, how do we delegate to people's strengths? So Craig, you and I should have noodled on this a little bit. Marcus Buckingham has some good work out there. And what, what do you love at work? She refers to them as those red threads. So we all have things that, that really just light our fire at work. And that's a great place to be able to delegate to. So number one, you have to know those in your people. Now here's the key. You will see strengths in all of your team, but they also know what their strengths are. Some of them won't be able to articulate it very well because they've been brought up saying, don't talk about your strengths as arrogant. Why would you blow your own trumpets? You may have to do some work in there, but really the question is, what do you love? What brings the joy for you at work? That gives you a full spread of where the potential is. And then I think it's, it's kind of, it's a work in progress. But as long as you've got the transparency and the clarity with that and you're having those conversations in your one on one, when you start looking for them, those opportunities will pop up. And delegation isn't always an entire whole thing delegate. You can delegate part of a project, part of a job. I mean, it depends on what you do and how that looks. But, you know, if, if we, if we on our team have someone who loves doing the PowerPoint and somebody else whose absolute skill is in the instructional design, we could go to two people there and get such a better quality than putting in one who will excel in one and <laughs> grind through the other part. So the hard part of this is, is the time. This is quadrant two. You're a stop. You got to think about it. 
you got to sign that. You got to keep an eye on who you're delegating to, and then that continuous conversation as well. I think I got most of. Yeah, because delegation isn't necessarily a time saver for the leader. Right? No, but it's an investment. It love that. Um, I think <laughs> the other piece of this too that Buckingham talks about is somebody can have a strength, i.e., you're tremendously good at Excel, whatever it might be, right? Um, but you might hate doing it. <laughs> and so. The yeah. Buckingham actually says a strength, something that you are really good at that you do not like to do is actually a weakness. Yes. Right. And so you need to be, as a leader, you need to be careful that just because Jimmy might be, you know, your star at regression analysis, why I picked that one. Um, but <laughs> you don't assign it all to Jimmy, right? I have no idea where regression analysis came from. You, you could have put Jenny right. in that sentence to have been really real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Numbers, anything. Anything Jenny, no Jenny and Jenny and Jenny don't like numbers. But, um, but I love that you brought that up and that, that really, that's the foundation underneath why we want to ask, ask them what they see as their strengths, ask them what they love, what feels that, what feels them in the day. It probably won't match what you think. And I think the other key part here, because people often take this conversation out a little, little sideways. We're not saying they have to work in that a hundred percent in the day. The research no. is interesting. I think, you, I think you only have to about 20% of your day to hit that full engagement productivity, about 20% of your day where you work from, as he calls them, your loves at work. Yeah. I think the challenge in that question can sometimes be, you know, it's, um, it's like the American Idol auditions that we love to watch. The <laughs> folks who yeah. show up because they think singing is their strength and they love singing, but they should not be on TV doing it. Um, right. So how do you manage and to bring it back to a more serious comment though? How do you manage and work with team members who think they may have a strength or love doing something, uh-huh. but they perhaps, um, reality doesn't meet their perception or at least your perception. And there you go. I was waiting for there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, but that's, it's such a good point too, because, you know, we're talking about work. The aim always is is high performance. And so on the leader, what are you articulating? What does finish look like? What does success look like? You know, what, what are we aiming for here? What's the quality? We say this often. We want to be world class. What does world class look like? And that gives us something to strive for, to deliver on, to create to. And those expectations have got to be crystal clear. And if somebody's coming to ask to do something like, this is my strength, I love this, then it might be a, a gritty conversation. But, but the answer is, I love that you have a passion for that. At the moment, I am seeing just factual. What are you seeing? And this is what we require or what we need. And then the conversation is, how do we get from here to here? What can I do to support you to grow in that? And and when they love it and when they want to, that's a worthy mastery and growth towards the goal, the team, the alignment. Yeah. And it's, uh, there was a comment earlier in, in the chat as well. Christina, this is a good one. Sometimes I like to delegate to people's growth areas, not just their strengths. And I, I tend to agree with that. I think if I'm interpreting that, the way I'm interpreting that though, for me is 
you know, Jenny, if I want to delegate to you for a growth area, as we would call it, perhaps say weakness, um, is it, is it intentional? Like what's the purpose behind that? Is it because you have a plan for Jenny to move into a different role that requires more of that mm-hmm. skill? So you're delegating now to help develop that or are you de- delegating to address that deficiency just simply to address that deficiency because then maybe it's better to focus on jenny's strengths and not worry about that growth area if there's others that can on your team that have that ability and i think you just sort of nudged another really important piece about delegation so if you're delegating to me you come typically not you and somebody will come in that whirlwind in that need, and it's all about them and what they need in order to satisfy this. But that's not what's going on for this person. So as you just articulated it then, what you gave me is is what I would refer to as the afters. So, you know, by engaging in this task, by growing in this area, when we've done that, you will be ready for, or you will have this. Those are the afters. And if I can put those two together, then I can embrace and engage in it. But if you just come with, no, 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 we've got to get this done. And oh, I'm really sorry. That's another thing. Please don't apologize when you delegate anybody. Cause the minute you apologize, you devalue the task. And you go, oh, I'm getting a dumb task now. So there's no, never an apology for delegating. And, and then, but, but frame it in their world. Hey, what is it that they need in their world? What are their afters? Why would they care? That'll get your buy-in into the delegation much quicker. And it forces you to talk big picture, which is what I love about what you just said. That, um, I didn't, do you want to expand on that? Uh, don't apologize for delegating. <laughs> is, is there more to sit in there or like, I'm not sure that's, it was a really interesting phrase. I never thought about that before. And now I'm so, thinking how many times I've done that. <laughs> uh, Craig, you're a Canadian. You're bound to have apologized. Oh, this is true. So sorry for the, sorry for the question. <laughs> so often what happens and, and it happens when it doesn't happen when we're excited about the big tasks. It happens when we've got work, we've got work to be done. And we're, you know, if we're, if we're getting it correctly, we're still delegating to tasks, to strengths, to, you know, get the best job, to hit the performance, to hit the goal. But because we're aware of people being overloaded for this capacity piece, and maybe we've missed that check-in and, and all those other pieces, what we hear is, oh, I'm really sorry to have to ask you this. And the minute that our brains hear, oh, I'm really sorry, we're going to devalue that trust. This is an interruption or this is inconvenient or, oh, yeah, okay, here's another one to my plate. And so the suggestion is don't devalue the task. Like first off, can you delete it? Okay, we're back to what we said. Is, does it belong in quadrant three? If it's not essential, there's no point to it. Don't delegate it. Right? Dump it is what we called it in our LinkedIn um, post there. And so when we, when we do that with value, then people will take it on with value. And if you speak to that end piece or the reason why, there we are. And, and when you work, somebody did this. We did some work with someone and they took they took all their tasks with their team. They realigned all the tasks so that people got to do what they liked doing. People got to learn something new so that if somebody was missing, they could move across. And there was left a band of tasks. And I think they referred to them as the swamp tasks. And what they did was every month, 
they divvied up the swamp tusks. So nobody had to do the gross stuff all the time. And that took away the, oh, I'm sorry, you get this one this week. That's, that's just the way they did it. Interesting. Yeah, um, it's different. I think we're going to have to run a session on uh, how to how, how to craft good apologies because we uh, we might have a stand up routine there based on the chat. <laughs> um, but Sinead, uh, Sinead, you love this comment um, from the perspective of uh, thank you for bringing it forward. But many women also feel the need to apologize too much. We can't be seen as aggressive, and it's it. I just unfortunate that that is the case, and so. I, Jenny, perhaps future topic for us to think about is some of the. Well, and I think not next one, but the next one, March the 10th, so I might have the date wrong. We're going to talk about assertive leadership. And mm. that totally will be part of that conversation. I'm quite sure that difference between is it aggressive, bossy, assertive. Yeah. We, we might want to change the title to sorry, it's assertive leadership. <laughs> um, so, a couple things for us to. I was also thinking about that. Some of the things that we uh, chatted before we started this, this whole, because we only got a few minutes left, this whole concept of prioritization and delegation relative to managing, you managing your time or you managing your energy. Uh, where does procrastination fit in to all of this? Something else, something else that you said earlier about, you know, am I disempowering? By being involved here, you know, it, it struck a question for me is that can a leader be empowering all the time? I think the answer is obviously not, but do leaders mm-hmm. feel they have to be? Uh, mm-hmm. So I, there's your, there's your dealer's choice. And I was going to say you just offered me five things, two minutes. <laughs> no, 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 I said pick one. We're, we're going to, oh. which, which one, you know, if you want to go with the essentialism approach, right? Was the one thing or the one question? That we can answer right now that will make the rest less important or less meaningful. Okay. I am going with um, energy. Yeah. Because I think it's crucial. Yeah. And two rules that sit in the 80s. So um, the 80 20 rule is quite familiar to lots and lots of people. And we'll flip it to today. So 20% of your time, most people's regular days, that's about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. We'll give you 80% of your productivity. So what is that 20% time look like? Do you even have that in your calendar? 20% of your day where you can focus and channel your energy into something that is important and actually will hit a business goal, the priority. That's a simple version of 80-20. But I also like, and I think this is Greg McCurran, I might have it wrong, might be James Clear because he's another good one in this area. But it's called the 85% rule. And the 85% rule is stop trying to show up at 100% every single day. Right? We just can't do that. And we will burn out far faster. And if you're a leader, please don't expect your people to show up at 100% every single day. But what if we change that frame immediately and said, okay, 85%. And so what does 85% look like? I and mean, we're not talking about people slacking off, but we are talking about people not overextending all the time. And so you're going to laugh at this, but in my world, that's pausing the PowerPoint, right? We're done. That's it. Well, everybody needs to know is I changed the PowerPoint at 10 to 8 this morning. So I did not follow that rule myself. But if I had followed that rule myself, I would have stopped on that last night. 
And so that 85% can really, it allows us to keep going. And if you look where we are in the year, we're on February, February 10th. Lots of people started January with great gusto. They were in the gyms. They were doing their part. And unfortunately, there's a whole lot of people who stopped doing that already. If they had gone in at 85% and gone, let's say, four times a week rather than seven, would they still be going? How do we get that consistency and that momentum? And the key to this is you, we never, ever let our cell phone batteries die. We are constantly carrying chargers with us, finding space to charge them. But we will very quickly let our own batteries die. And full transparency, it's constant work in progress. Like I still don't get this quite right all the time. But I do think it's worth us focusing on it because again, it's a bit like that, that quadrant two. We have to act on it. That's our job for us. And especially if you're a leader, if you're not looking after yourself, you cannot look after your people. Like you, you just, that's an imbalanced equation. I don't do numbers, but that's an imbalanced equation. Um, good question. Don't want if you can hit that eighty-five percent stat again, Jenny. Eighty-five percent of the time, I do not expect staff to be one hundred percent, including me. Yeah, so we kind of because because we're working lean and because we're trying to get so much done in such a short time, like you explained at the beginning, we want to need our staff to be constantly sprinting, if you like, and they're living a sprint. So they get up in the morning, in the early hours, they've checked the phone before they've got out of bed. And then if you've got families, that whirlwind just begins then. And it is just a sprint to the end of the day. And then bed, repeat, bed, repeat, bed, repeat. Well, we're in the marathon. Like, there is no way. <laughs> and marathon runners, they take three days off a week in their training. And we could learn from that. Not everybody, but there's two or three good days of rest because they need to recharge so that they can run the marathon. And so we, you know, there's, there's a quote, I know it in a slide somewhere. We'll send it out to people by Lauren Schwartz and that, you know, your life is a series of sprints, but you've got to recharge in between them where you, you just run out. And we're seeing that where people are running out. Yeah. I've taken, I've clearly taken three years off of my marathon training. So. Um, we're pretty much at time, Jenny. So I think we, uh, want to start. Yeah. This, this has flown past. I think we might be able to revisit this topic again. And folks, thank you so much for uh, your engagement here in the chat. That has been terrific. I really, we really appreciate it. So, um, to Jenny for kind of our final thoughts here. Let's get there. So as we, oh, if the slide deck will change, there we go. So our common pattern for those of you who are new with us this time is to finish off with one big idea, two apply strategies that you can take and use straight away, and then theoretically three questions, although as we've said many times, don't do numbers, it's never three, um, but we'll get there in a moment. So our big idea for today, I actually pulled one of James Clear's quotes from Atomic Habits. Uh, this is a quote. I like this quote and it haunts me every time I dip between below the line and start to do something that's completely non-essential. But, you know, take a look. You know, what, what are your actions in the day? And does that stack up to who you want to be? And so if you want to be somebody that has time for your staff, take a peek at your calendar, right? Do you have time for your staff in your calendar? That's a vote. For a leader who's looking after their people, for example. So 
We'll leave that with you. It, it may haunt you the same way it haunts me. Uh, two things that we can take away and use straight away. And we actually, we didn't come to this one, but no is a sentence in that focus in hitting those priorities. We're going to have to say no to people. So a couple of things that help in that space of saying no, because no is difficult. Lots of people struggle with saying no. Listen carefully. Are you actually being asked to do something? If the question isn't being asked, don't offer to do it. If it doesn't sit in your priorities, if it's not clear within there. And that goes for leaders too. When stuff is coming down, listen carefully. What is the ask of your team? Get clarity around that. And and that's your opportunity to support your team there. Uh, body language speaks volumes. So you're always projecting something. So if you say no, but your entire body language says, well, yes, maybe. The other person will take that as a yes, maybe, and they'll be running. You'll be signed up before you've had time to even think about it. So if you need to practice saying no, uh, there's lots and lots of places where we can go for the, the no as a complete sentence. And then I really like this bottom one. I use it a lot. If I say yes to you on behalf of my team or on for myself, then what's the no to me? And mm. am I okay with that no? And... That's really, really helped in, in over capacity for me in the past a little bit. So I'm sure where they want to hang on to that. So there's, I was going to say one thing to take away. There's a few things to take away in there. The next one is a prioritizing one. Um, I love this. So my to do list looks a little bit like the one on the left hand side. It fills a page and in our time management delivery, we have different ways to prioritize. But if you write out your full to do list, and then look at it really carefully. First off, get rid of anything that's non-essential that doesn't belong there. Then, then take only five items and put those five onto, a, I use a post-it note, I'm a pen and paper kind of person, but you can use electronic post-it note. There are apps that will do this, but the time to get those sorted to match you takes way longer than simply keeping your to-do list and moving five. But the cool part is if you only have five things on your to-do list if you have a small break in between meetings you can look at that five and say okay i'm going to do this whereas if i look at the full list in front of me oh i don't even know where to start i'll go empty the dishwasher or i'll go make tea and i don't get one thing done in between those two meetings where i cut across one of those five and that time boundary at the bottom time holds us accountable in the way that we look at time so, you know, give yourself some time boundaries within there as well. And it ties into one we didn't talk about too. Those top five, it's that your intention for the day. And it really helps. You'll get, you'll never kill your to-do list ever. I don't believe anymore, but you will move a lot more things um, by that sort of priority method. In our time management process, I think we refer to it as the Carnegie rest. And then nearly three questions. Okay, five, Close. I think it is. <laughs> So just things to noodle with, and you can, I've tried to do these so they would appear, appeal if you're not holding a leader role. I mean, everybody can you know, sort of follow that leadership piece, but sort of done them from a personal and a team part. So you can flip this to be a team question. They're good things to have in a meeting, actually. But, you know, next time that you're just, ah, ask yourself, what's the best use of my time right now? And then spend the next 30 minutes on that. Um, be really careful. We invent a lot to avoid those important things in quadrant two. <laughs> and then number three has got to be James Clear. 
Why? What am I doing today to improve by 1%? But we do that every day. That's, that's huge gains within a month or two, even the end of the year. And then the last two, I think, just speak for themselves as well. There you go. Perfect. Thank you, Jenny. Um, and folks, we're back again in a couple of weeks with uh, a little bit different conversation. As we started the year off, we're trying to find uh, local leaders to hear their stories and understand what leading beyond any title means to them. And we are very fortunate to have Wellington Holbrook, uh, chair of the Calgary TELUS Convention Center, joining us in a couple of weeks. So uh, join us for that. That will stand to be a very a uh, fun conversation. Wellington's a great speaker, a very um, engaging personality. So I'm really looking forward to that and uh, thankful that he's joining us. Uh, thankful that you join us as frequently as you do. And if today was your first time with us, thank you for investing your time. Um, as uh, Tom, I believe, mentioned in the chat here, you can't manage time, only what you do with the time you have. And thank you so much for managing it with us today um so have a great friday have a great weekend jenny as always i appreciate you thank you for all your work on this and uh have a good day everyone talk to you soon thank you thanks everyone thank you once again for joining us on the leading beyond any title podcast if you'd like to stay connected and receive more updates from us please follow state corporate training on linkedin stay in the loop with the latest insights and valuable content through the link in the show notes additionally don't miss out on the opportunity to experience leading beyond any title live sign up for our webinars and experience the podcast before anyone else finally make sure to rate review and subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcast thank you again for listening